I'm going to uh, speak a little bit on, on the effect of grace in your life. Uh, the effect of grace in your life. Let's go to 1 Peter. Oh, sorry, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. So is our klank in alles my sien Okay. And pas ek in. <laughs> Mooi. Right, 2 Peter chapter 1. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Um, you know, there are some difficult scriptures in the Bible to understand in the light of grace. And I want to touch on one of them in, uh, in 2 Peter, where the Bible says, add all these good works to your faith. Um, because, you know, when we get into the grace message, we are so happy that we are not part of the law and condemnation anymore. And then we read some verses in the Bible and it brings condemnation, which is supposed to just bring such a power in our life and the manifestation of God in our life. You know, Paul said something. He said that there were, those, there were the Judaizers and there were the other apostles, the apostles of the Lord, the, the twelve apostles, and then him. He says, and he was born out of season or out of time. Um, he was actually supposed to be one of the twelve. Uh, but then he says that he labored more than all of them. He worked more than them all. Now those were the people that made an emphasis on good works, that placed an emphasis on, 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 on the law as well. You know. um, and then he said, I did not do that. I believed in just what Jesus Christ has done for me, but I have done more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Now what does that mean? Thank you so much. What does that mean? That means that grace will get you to do something. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we, you know, we're so scared when it comes, especially when uh, 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 I remember my life, after I got into the gospel of grace and, and um, actually the message of God's love. I wouldn't say the, the message of grace, the message of God's love, that God just loves me. I didn't understand grace. But when I, when I was walking in the message, God loves me, and I would hear anything about works, I would hear anything about the word fruit, I mean the word, the word fruit, the word works, the word uh, good work, new life, repent, those were all no-nos. I don't want to hear anything of that. You know, because that is, that was, the association was too painful. Because of the law, because of abuse. But in the meantime, I was actually missing out on what God wants for me. Because the Apostle Paul said, it was not I who did these things, but the grace of God that is within me. So there's a place where God will live in you and manifest who He is inside you. And that's what we want to see. It's like a husband and wife. When, when they come together, you know, if they get married, you know, after a certain time, they're going to have some kids. It's just the way it is. Because out of intimacy comes fruit. So out of the intimacy with God comes fruit. 
But what I want to uh, uh, say today is that we must be careful that we don't get intimate, intimate with, um, how can I say, in Afrikaans zal ek het nou mooi kan sê, ons moet oppas dat ons nie so intiem raak met die seer en die abuse wat ons gehad het nie. You know, we, we just thinking of, of the bad that there was, and we're so thankful that we're not under the bad anymore, and that our intimacy is actually, and our meditation is, what we've been under. You know, when the Israelites went away out of Egypt, they should not remember Egypt anymore. Forget Egypt. You've got a promised land in front of you. Amen. And I think there's, it, it's obvious that when you were in slavery and you come out of Egypt, you will obviously say, thank God we don't have the whip on our back anymore. Thank God. You know, you remember how they've hurt us? You remember how they abused us? You remember all these things? Yes, there will be a time, maybe a month or a week or six months or a year. I don't want to put a time to it, but just to explain the practicality of the thing. But then after a while, you've got to say, okay, now we are now free there, but what now? Where are we going? You know what? I mean, God took us out. God took the Israelites out of Egypt for a purpose. There was a plan. So when God took you out from the law, there was a purpose why He took you out from the law. And the purpose is clear in Romans 7, is so that He can bear His fruit in you, which is effortless for you. But the purpose is that His life will be in you. Amen. Hallelujah. So, yes, there will be a time when you party. (laughs) Yes, there will be a time, and we enjoy that. But we can't have that for always. And we understand that. And I think for the rest of your life you will be thankful that you're not under the law and under judgment and condemnation anymore. But when we look at God and we look at what He's done everywhere, anybody that He's got anything to do with, His life and His love was so powerful that it influenced those people unto a new life. And um, I want to just read from First Peter here and and this is the foundation from where we can understand, oh, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, that verse is very, very important. It says, um, he, he writes, he's an apostle, he says, I'm an apostle. He says, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. Okay, so he says, listen guys, we have obtained like precious, or you have obtained the same faith as what we've obtained through what God has done in Christ. So what he's actually saying is, our faith and your faith is the same faith. It's not the apostles has got a big faith, a great faith, and the people that come to faith afterwards has got a smaller faith. No, you believe you've obtained the same precious faith. Why? Because the same message was preached. You're believing the very same thing. That's what they're actually saying. You are believing the same thing. And because you are believing the same thing on what Christ has done for you, you've received this for free, this faith, by what Christ has done. So you've just heard... Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law. When He fulfilled the law, 
Hallelujah, you were made the very righteousness of God. Thank you, Jesus. And we believed what the apostles believed. Now let's read on. Okay, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, and the Greek word for knowledge there is also the word acknowledgement. It says, through the acknowledgement of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So, here he comes. He says, listen, you've received the same type of faith, but we want this grace to be multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. So God's not ashamed saying, well, now they've got enough grace, they've got enough peace now, so that's enough for now. Let, let, let's get them to work. What he was saying here is, what I'm about to explain to you is the multiplication of grace and the multiplication of peace. Um, let me explain it to you this way. You know, say I struggle with a, a temper problem. I've got, I get these outbursts of wrath and I'm under the grace message. Whenever I get the outburst of wrath, what's the first thing I say? I say there's no condemnation for me. I mean, because I cannot walk in the condemnation of that sin. Because God has removed that condemnation from me. But you will find that that work and what you've done, the people that you shouted at, they're still alive. <laughs> they have not died. I mean, say you, you, you lost your temper, you shouted at your wife. God, thank you that there's no condemnation for me. But I see that she doesn't have that revelation yet. <laughs> Takes about two days or two hours or five hours, but they get the revelation. Normally after you've done something good. You know? Like say I'm sorry or... You know, some men will never say they're sorry. They will just do things that show they're sorry. You know, like make a cup of coffee or whatever. So, and then the thing will be over. But while you live in the atmosphere in that house, you know that atmosphere. <laughs> you come late from the bar. You walk into the house. Hi, lovey. Hello. Washing dishes with violence. <laughs> Something wrong? No. Nothing wrong. You know the atmosphere. So, there's no condemnation for you in Christ, but all of a sudden you are in a spiritual war. Because the situation wants to dictate to you and condemn you. And the voice of Satan, of the accuser, is in the situation which will be like that on this world. Even Jesus, when he was in the desert, when he became hungry, the accuser came. And he was in a spiritual battle where he had to focus his mind on what God says. So all of a sudden there was this, this battle. Listen, you are not the Son of God. No, I am. But how can you be the Son of God if you are sitting here, you say you're the Son of God, all these kingdoms will belong to you and everything, but you don't have friends, you're sitting in a desert for 40 days, you don't have food, you don't have new clothes, you're dirty by now, and you're hungry, thirsty. You want to say you're the Son of God? No, no, I will live by what God says, the renewal of the mind, a spiritual war. Now those spiritual wars will be there. 
but you don't want them all the time. You can go and commit a sin or do something that's not good. I mean, you can go and steal something from your boss. No, Say nobody will ever know. You know. You go and talk to God. You find He says there's no condemnation for you. But it's going to take some effort to get your mind into that thing. Because the situation is speaking. The best would be if you wouldn't steal. You wouldn't be in that battle. Isn't it? You live a free life. Now, listen to what he says here. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied. So, these people lived in grace, but what the Apostle Paul want, or Peter wanted, he wanted this grace to be multiplied into all areas of their life. Remember, the word grace is not the word mercy. We use the word, I, I find it so many times in so many uh, 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 grace churches, where people uh, uh, change the word grace for the word mercy. We cannot do that. It's, it's completely two different things. Mercy means to treat you better than you deserve. Grace is the influential power of God plus the manifestation of that in your life. That's the Greek definition for grace. It's especially the divine influence upon your belief system to the point that it manifests in your life. Okay. So, um, if, 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 if somebody, if you sit with something in your life that you struggle with, that's not good for your marriage, good for your business or whatever, and you know it's a problem, you need grace to be multiplied in your life. Maybe when it comes to condemnation, you've been influenced by what happened on the cross to the point that you can say, there's no condemnation for me. But God can influence you, if you can understand what is done upon the cross, to such a point that His power manifests in that problem area in your life. That you can be free. Hallelujah. Now, um, it might sound as if I'm saying, you know, Oh, we must get back to good works, and if we don't do good works, then God's going to condemn you. No, I'm talking about what we've been saved unto. We've been saved from something unto something. If I give you a phone, and I say to you, listen, here's a wonderful phone. What you can do with this phone is you can phone with it. That's it. You can make a call. So what's going to happen if you want to write something down and you don't have a pen? You're going to stress. Because you're going to start to run around, you're going to make a great effort to get a pen and paper. But listen man, this thing's got a notepad in it. Okay, now you want to send an email. You're looking for a cyber shop. Running around. Because you don't know that your phone included into this is internet and email. So it's not saying, listen, you must get back to work. It is revealing what we've received in Christ. And we need to understand that, people. You know, we don't want to be robbed of the godly nature that God has given and bestowed upon our lives for free. For free. This thing is for free. How did you receive your faith? How difficult was it to believe that God is good? No, you just heard it and found. <laughs> you just believe it. Hallelujah, bless God. 
Now he says here, I want grace to be multiplied in your life. And peace. The, the word peace is, is, the word, is the emotion. This is what peace means. It's the emotion in your heart of not being indebted. I want the emotion, this is what he says, the emotion that you don't owe God anything and you don't come short in anything to be multiplied in your life. God's not threatened with you having real peace. Amen. Okay. Verse 3. According as His divine power, so this will happen, this acknowledgement that we have, is in accordance as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge or acknowledgement of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Okay. So he says here, listen, I want grace and peace to be multiplied by you by what Christ has done. And by what Christ has done unto us has been made precious, great promises. And everything that Christ has done pertains to your life and godliness. He's given it to you. Everything that you need for this life and everything that you need for godliness has been provided by Christ. As you've received peace, knowing there's no condemnation for you for free, by simply believing in what is done, let us hear everything that is given us, because through these promises, we will be made partakers of His divine nature. And listen, I'm just reading the Bible here. This is what Peter wrote. Now listen to this, and this is actually the crux of the gospel. He says here, that we might be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Okay, so he says, we've been made partakers of His divine nature. How? By escaping the corruption that's in this world through lust, or the other word for lust there is the word desire. Okay. So, and we need to understand this. And we, now we can go to Romans chapter 7. Let's quickly go there. And I'm going to explain this lust and the corruption that comes with it. We need to understand that. Is it okay if I teach a bit? Hallelujah. We need to understand the thing. The Bible says the seed was sown on the road. The seed was sown on the stony ground. The seed was sown amongst the weeds and the others in the fertile ground. It says those who, the seed that was sown on the road is these who hear the word and don't understand it. The one that was sown in the fertile ground, the Bible clearly states in Matthew 13, these are those that hear the word and understand it. So it's very important to understand the word. Now understanding has got to do with your mind. Knowing how to put the thing together. And that's what Romans 12 says. It talks about the renewal of the mind, understanding certain things. As we understand this, it changes our belief. Because what we understand about something determines what we believe about that thing. So when we really understand the gospel, what God has come to do for us in Christ, we will start to believe everything that is freely given unto us. So Romans chapter 7 from verse 1. Let's read that. We're going to go back to uh, 2 Peter. 
It says, I must just make sure this is the right verse. It's not verse 1. No, it is verse 1. Knowing ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as what he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if, while the husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, very, very important verse, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him, that is raised from the dead. Why? That we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, or married to the law, the passions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Okay. So when we were in the law, under the law, it brought forth fruit unto death. We were finding the fruit unto death. And we were in churches, in places where it's been told, we, we've been told, use your willpower to get free from the fruit of being under the law. Placing you more under the law, bringing condemnation if you cannot change it. But what happens here is, you were standing in union with the law, having intimacy with the law, and being surprised that you're bearing the fruit of the law. Because under the law you live with lust. Not forget lust for women. You know, whenever you say lust, it's for women or for men or for cars or houses. No, it's not. <laughs> when you use the word lust, let your mind be changed concerning the word lust. When you use the word lust, it is a desire for holiness. All corruption came into this world through desire. Adam desired to be like God. And then corruption entered this world through that desire. Now he comes in Second Peter, he says, listen, we have escaped the corruption that's in this world through desire. Because we don't desire holiness anymore. We don't desire righteousness anymore. We know we have received it. We know that we are that already. So we don't live in a system where we are trying to reach to holiness, trying to reach for good works, trying to reach for all those things. We know that we have received the righteousness of God. Amen. So here he comes, he says, you were married to the law. Under the law you were intimate with the law. In the intimacy with the law, desire was born. And sin came forth. But now, you became dead to the law through the body of Christ. That's a whole teaching on itself. But you became dead to the law. Why? So that you can be married to Christ. So that He can bear His fruit in you. Okay. So we were in a place where we lived under condemnation. We saw the manifestation of the flesh in our life. The manifestation of sin. Why? Because we were married to the law. So it was not us trying to bear fruit of sin. We were trying not to bear it. But we found that this, this thing was just more powerful than what we wanted. I mean, we found that in marriage if you want to be practical as well. You know, two people sleep together, they're not married. 
They try their best not to fall pregnant. <laughs> but they do. You get people, they want, to be married, they want to be married for five years, then have kids. Then they find they have kids after one year. They try not to. But out of that intimacy, this thing happens. It's the very same with the law. Out of intimacy with the law. That's why the Bible says God is not mocked. If you sow to the flesh, if you give your life to the law system, you shall reap death. But if you give yourself to the spirit system and what Christ has done and the grace message and knowing who you are in Christ, you shall find the fruit of God in your life. And what Peter did was he wanted to explain more of what we've been saved into. We've been saved from something unto something. We've been saved from a system where we're intimate with the law by willpower trying to change which had its fruit in death unto something where we believe in what Christ has done for us with its fruit in holiness and righteousness. Amen. So it is not, listen, you've been saved by grace, now add fruit. No, no, no. You've been saved by grace. And now you think, okay, you've been saved by grace, I'll go to heaven, God's not angry with me, and that's it. No, 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 no. You can add good works there as well. As you've received no condemnation for free, you've received good works also for free. It's not for you to try and do it. It's for you to accept that that's who you are. But we've been trained from so, so small that we are certain types of people. Van school off, you know. Berti is maar a harde kop, joh. Hy man sy eie kop, jy weet. And after a while, if 20 people say it, you believe it, and then you do it. And you never change. And then you, 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 you come to the message of grace, and you thank God that God's not angry at you, a harde kop. So now I can be a harde kop without God being angry with me. Hallelujah, I feel the freedom, I feel the peace, I'm resting. This harde kop is taking a rest. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God has redeemed me from the condemnation of, if I'm that, I'm not angry with you, but He's redeemed me from that lie as well, which I believed, and now that lie manifests in my life because I'm believing that lie. And He came and gave us something else to believe who we really are. Now, let's go back to Second Peter. Is this making sense? If you feel condemned, it's your own doing. Amen. We're just preaching the love of God and what we've been saved unto. You saying? Sorry, man. Second Peter one, verse four. It says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature." So we were partakers of the fleshly nature because we didn't live by the promise, but we lived by the works of the law. The Bible says the Jews didn't want to receive by the promise, they wanted to receive by the law. And because they worked up their own righteousness, they did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. And therefore they are not saved. Okay? But we believed 
and we receiving the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through desire, because we don't desire anymore, for we have received it all. And beside this, now what is he talking about? talks about the faith, in verse 1, that we've received for free. Okay? And all the promises that we've received for free. Now he says, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Okay, now that can condemn you if you don't understand what it says. But if you understand, you will be so blessed. It says now, beside this, add to your faith knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience. Now the moment you say that, you already feel, oh God, you know, I, I see that old condemnation thing again. You think of standing in the queue there with a bank card and the one in front of you struggling. <laughs> Have you ever come to the bank, you know, and you've been in the queue, 20 people in front of you, and when you get there in the front, that red little thing goes like that. My goodness. <laughs> Why does this happen to me? I, I, I don't know why it's like that. When I get to the bank, there's always a queue. And I'm in the back of the queue. And when I get to the front, I find there's nobody behind me. <laughs> I think, God, am I cursed or what? But what's this? <laughs> it really happens. I don't know why. So, um, yeah. I mean, you sit there with patience. God, I'm not going to... But if you really understand what he's talking about, then you will see it this way. And this is what he was actually meaning. Say I invite you, I say to you, listen, let's go to the restaurant. I pay for everything you want to order. Now you come and you order yourself a cheeseburger. And you're so happy with your cheeseburger. And then I say to you, listen, are you happy with this? He says, yes. I say, man, add chips. <laughs> and add a drink. And add some pudding there. And do you want a takeaway as well for the kids? Add that as well. I pay for it all. And that's what he says there. He says, listen, you've received faith. And these promises by grace for free. But I want your grace to be multiplied. Add this to your faith. Add to your faith. Faith I've received for free. Add to your faith. Temperance. Add to temperance, knowledge, to knowledge, virtue, patience. All those things has been provided for by Jesus Christ for free. Why do we only say, I believe this. Listen, you can receive for free the new life that comes with it. So that we don't have to live in bondage anymore. I mean, God came and gave the whole package. I always preach it this way when, when I'm uh, um, preaching that to some of the people in Africa. I say to them, listen, if I give you, as I give you a scarp here, a yellow scarp, say, you need to look at the bowder. 
Nee, jy soek die kop, jy soek die pens, jy soek alles. Oh, I want everything. And you only eat a certain part. He says, no, you eat the whole thing. God provided a complete package. He gives you these wonderful promises. When you believe it, you find grace work in you. And the first thing that it brings forth is peace. You feel peace coming into you. You feel the emotion of rest. But I want to tell you, look further. In this package was included patience, was included godliness, was included the very nature of God for free. <laughs> Hallelujah. So how do we do this? The Bible says, multiply, have grace multiplied in your life through the acknowledgement of God. So when we acknowledge what is done in my life, when we can acknowledge and say, I am a person of peace. I am a person of patience. Now, I just want to explain patience quickly. Um, because the word patience in the Bible doesn't talk about patience the way we understand patience. If you go, I had to make a study to understand the word patience. The word patience doesn't, it's got nothing to do with a bank. It's got nothing to do with a car and traffic and all those type of things. It's got nothing to do with that. The word patience had, in, in the New Testament had to do with the waiting for the return of Christ. Because people weren't patient to wait for His return and then went back to the law because they were persecuted. So He says, add patience. Okay, so what, what He was actually saying is that in this package is given the ability to believe this gospel until Jesus comes and to withstand all persecution for the gospel. That's what that patience means. Yes, I just feel that freedom. Now God teaches me patience by putting this lady in front of me that drives at 40 in the 120 zone. No, 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 God cannot do that to any man. He cannot. Go on to YouTube. There's a, there's a, there's this, there's this, I must show you guys, but it's too late now. I'm going to, to fly after this. But anyway, there's this guy um, they've got this radius, it's like an ad for something. And this, this Boeing is going to land on the highway. You know? And here's this guy driving with his Isuzu 4x4. And he, all of a sudden he saw, and he saw, but there's no traffic today. Hallelujah, bless God. <laughs> yeah? But if I mean they cleared the highway. This lane, I mean the other side, is just, just packed. But this side, there's not one car. Only him. It's like, well, thank you Jesus. <laughs> And he looks in the mirror, he sees, here comes a Boeing. And that thing lands, but the nose gear goes onto his car. And the car goes like 240. I mean, this guy sits with a Boeing on his back. And in the middle of the road, believe it or not, there's an old lady with a car. She cannot see over the dash. She's doing 30. I mean, he's hooting. This guy's got a Boeing on his back. <laughs> he's trying to get her out of the way. He's shouting. She does nothing. You know, she just, he misses her. He just misses her. And the plane comes to stop. And he's like, Whew. And here's the old lady coming past. And she gave him the finger. <laughs> 
I imagine. God doesn't teach patience that way. <laughs> I mean, this guy's struggling with a bowing on his back. And this lady. My goodness, he cannot believe it. And then we think that that's how God teaches us patience. No, no, no. God doesn't teach you patience. He gives you patience. God doesn't teach you holiness. Holiness, patience, those things cannot be taught. It's given. It's given. But the problem that I find in, in, in our mind is that we brought over from the law system is, well, I'm in grace now, so now that I'm in grace, God must teach me how to be patient. No, 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 that's law. In grace, it's given. It's given. Patience, waiting for the return of Christ. Godliness. You know, the way God is and functions, having compassion and love for people, being generous, being free, all those things, that is given. It's given. So if you say, I don't have it, I want to tell you. If you say, I don't see it manifest, I want to say, man, add to your faith this. Add to your faith godliness. It's been given as a free gift. Amen. You don't have to learn. You don't have to try. Can you believe that that has been given for free? But sometimes we can be scared, you know, yeah, that this can change my life like this. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. It will bring the manifestation of the very nature of God into your life, if you can believe it. Because the Bible says we've got access into this grace by faith. The word faith means to be persuaded of an argument. Okay, so there's a certain argument that you were listening to. And then you got persuaded. When you got persuaded of it because you were listening to a certain argument, like I'm preaching now, I am giving a certain argument concerning your new life. I say, God says that He did not only take you away from the law with its fruit, He came to give grace and its fruit as a gift. So we believed that God is merciful, He doesn't judge me, but... In that was added the new nature. You, and the moment you start to reason and think like that, this can take time for your mind to be renewed, for you to be fully persuaded in your belief system about this. And the moment you believe this, the word belief means to rest your mind. The moment this argument has, has run its full course to the point that your mind is now at rest, yes, this is so, you find you enter into that grace. In other words, that enablement, you find God manifesting it. Amen. So let's start to know and ponder and think about, like what the Apostle Peter said here. He says, in beside this, giving all diligence. I like this, beside this. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith. Remember verse 1. You have obtained like precious faith. So, add to your faith. That word, add there, is the same word um, that's used of a choir conductor, where it calls forth for the instruments to play, where it stands in, you weet must die dirigent. Okay? So, he stands there with that little stick. The first thing that he does, now, I, th this, is, this is what I think he does, because I'm not very good, but I see this on TV. They come there with all the instruments, and it's a noise. Okay. Then one person on the violin plays a note. Then everybody tunes their instrument to that note. Right there. 
Ding, 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 da, 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 the whole thing. And then they start to play. And then maybe it's first the violin. Then it's this. But it's all coming forth from the choir conductor. Everything is there. But he adds it to the music. It's already there. And that's the word using, used there. To call forth what is there. So he says, add to your faith. In other words, here is this orchestra. You the conductor. The whole orchestra has been provided by the promises of God. So what do you, what do you need for today? That you can call forth from the grace of God. Provided by God. So when I, when I look at a, a, a certain situation, and I need something for that situation, you know, it's like, say I, um, I must come and preach here. I am the conductor there. And I know that what has been added to me is the ability to preach the gospel. So what do I do when I stand in this place? I call forth what God has provided. And I preach the gospel with power. When somebody is sick, what do I do? Do I go and fast and try and be a healer? No, 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 no. I just call forth what He has provided. Amen. So let's add to our faith. Let's add to our faith. Not add beside our faith by works. We add to our faith knowing that this has been included. Godliness. Amen. The very life of God. Compassion. Whatever you want to put in there. Let's go to uh, uh, Galatians 5. We can look at some of the fruit there. Isn't this an easy way? Man, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what He's provided for us. And do you see how, how the, 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 this, our Satan system has twisted this? Where it is, you've got nothing, you need to add. Where grace comes and says, by Him it has been given, and if we can, have our, if we can acknowledge what God has done, we will find grace multiplying in our life. So all you need to do if you want to do something is listen to God's argument about your life, about the fruit that He will bear in your life. As you listen to that argument, you will find that that argument will renew your mind. You must read Romans 12 very carefully. It doesn't say you must renew your mind. You cannot renew your mind. It says be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When you listen to the gospel, you find the gospel renews your mind. Amen. Now I'm going to change my mind. No, no. <laughs> you don't change your mind. You, you know, if, if, somebody, if you tell somebody, listen, say, say your friend tells you, no, he's going to go on holiday uh, in April. And during the April holidays, you find him at home here. What will you tell him? You will tell him, what made you change your mind? Because you don't just change your mind. Something makes you change your mind. And that's the renewal of the mind or a change of mind. Repentance comes through a different argument, a different way of thinking. And as we listen to the thinking of God, and it comes to our heart to the point where we acknowledge that truth, the Bible says grace is multiplied. So God comes and He's got a certain argument about your fruit. He's got a certain argument about His life inside you. And as you can... 
acknowledge that. Not saying, well, today I'm going to acknowledge. I, I'm a patient person. I'm a loving person. Listen, man, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. It comes from being pampered by God. As you are pampered by God, and through that pampering, and through that, you start to say, man, I am special. You've seen it, you know, you, 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 you pay for somebody, they go for all these massages and whatever, you know. They go for the massage, it's got nothing to do with the stiffness in the back. It's got everything to do with feeling special. Isn't it? If, it's, if there's stiffness in the back, you go to a chiropractor. Not for some massage with these rocks on the back and you know the whole thing. That's to feel special. So when you go for that, then you feel, ah, oh, I feel so special. I really, I am also good looking, man. You know? And as you go through all those things and they massage and they speak all the good words to you and man, you've got such a beautiful skin and you've got this and you've got you start to believe because you pampered. And when you go away there, you walk away with a renewed mind for a while. <laughs> Till you get to the mirror, of course. <laughs> but anyway, so when you when we hear the pampering of God, what happens in your heart, you start to believe the truth about yourself, for God is not a, a man that he should lie. So when God pampers you, he says, you are, the right, you are my righteousness. You are the apple of my eye. I just want to add something in here. Many people say Israel is the apple of God's eye, physical Israel. It's a lie. Just a lie. Don't believe it. You are the apple of God's eye. Bible clearly states in Romans chapter 9 from verse 6, 7, 8, if you read on there, it says, not all that is of Israel are Israelites. Read in Romans 9, it's really written there. It says in Romans 2, the last two verses, it says, who is a Jew but he that is circumcised in heart? And the Bible says, there are those that are of the synagogue of Satan that say they are Jews but they're not. Because a Jew is he who is circumcised in heart. Amen. I wrote on Facebook, I wrote this, I said, what's wrong with this picture? So I've got two sons. I say to the oldest, oh, you are the apple of my eye. You know, it's like, say this eye, and the other one is like this. And here he stands with his eyes. Oh, my daddy's going to say something to me. And I say to him, I also like you, but remember your brother <laughs> is the apple of my eye. But that's a picture painted of God the Father with this Jewish Israel nonsense teaching. Israel as a nation is not special to God. Read Romans chapter 9, the first verse. Israel as a nation standing in the flesh before God is cursed. Paul said, I would rather be cursed than them. Saying they are actually cursed. With what? With the law. For they seek righteousness by their own, own sacrifices and their own thing. The only way they will be saved is if they believe what you preach to them. That's the only way. Amen. I know I can mess up some theology, but go and study it. You can either agree with me on God, or you can disagree. <laughs> well, that is what the scripture says. Amen. But becoming very tense there. <laughs>
Thank you, Lord, for helping your people. <laughs> Amen. Now, where were we? Galatians 5. I've got two sessions on it. And tonight, um, I've got a guy that's going to preach on that as well in our church. On the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And how that worked. Very interesting, you know. Very, very interesting on how hardening works. It's not God coming with black magic. You know, hardening the heart of Israel. You know what will harden one's heart? If you've been working all the time to get something, and then the Father comes and gives it for free to the other. (laughs) It's your goodness that will harden somebody else if he cannot accept goodness. That's how the Israelites were hardened. Not by God supernaturally going with black magic, hardening their hearts so they cannot accept the gospel so so that the Gentiles can be saved. How can a Gentile be saved if a Jew doesn't believe? Was that too quick? How? <laughs> how? How can I? Or is it my accent? When I come to America, they say, I once preached this message in America. After I preached, I said to the guy, so what do you think? He says, man, it was a wonderful message. I said, what do you think about this verse's explanation? He says, man, I couldn't hear anything. Your accent's too bad. But he says, it was wonderful. Amen. Right, so, you cannot, how can a Christian, how can the Gentiles be saved if the Jews don't believe? Doesn't make sense. If that guy doesn't believe, then that guy will believe. Doesn't make sense. So we need to understand. And once you understand, you can see the fruit of God. So, on the website I've got two sessions on that. Go and download it. It will really help you. Bless you, you know, especially when it comes to watching things on TV and people asking you questions about Israel and all of that. You know, the greatest act of anti-Semitism, greater than Hitler, is to tell a Jew that he's special because of his flesh. You'll condemn him to hell forevermore. I tell you, the greatest act of anti-Semitism is to say to a Jew... You are blessed because of your flesh. Because the Bible says no flesh shall ever be justified before God. You're worse than Hitler. Hitler is a falikima. You'll condemn them. Hitler burnt them in an oven. They will be burnt forevermore. If you lie to them and say to them, Ah, don't worry, you'll have a special time. No, 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 no. This is the special time. They can believe now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to go to Galatians 5. Let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 19. No. Let's read verse 19 first. It says, Now the works of the flesh, or the fruit of the flesh, is manifest, which, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I've told you before. And I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You'll have to invite me again to explain that verse. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now listen to what, what has been added to us. For free. What we can take off the shelf whenever needed for free. 
provided by God. Remember, when you take it off from the shelf by faith, believing this is what God has provided for me for free. You don't have to make it work. It works by itself. Okay. It works by itself. It's like when, when, you, when you go and buy a phone, you don't have to make the thing call. It calls. It phones. You, you just press the button and talk. It gets the signal. It transcribes it. Makes it a voice message from data. The whole thing. It does it all by itself. In the same way, we don't have to try and bear the fruit. We just believe. We just rest our mind that this is what happens. Like the choir conductor, we call it forth. For this is what has been given to me. The full package. It says when we can believe in this full package and add to our faith these things for free, we shall not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of Christ. And then he goes, listen to what he says. He says, and those who don't have this fruit, they are those who have forgotten that they were divorced from their old life. So it's all got to do with remembrance. And then we can add in James chapter 2, where it says if we look into the law of liberty, we've been liberated from the law of sin and death, we've been liberated from being saved by that law, and we've been liberated from the effects of that law in our life. We've been liberated. When I look into the law of perfect liberation, I find, and I remember what I see, I will, I will be a doer of the work. So it's not you trying to do, it's what you can remember about yourself. That's all it's all about. Under the law it is. I remember the, the, the old ways. You got saved by grace, but you maintain your salvation by your works. My sister was on a radio program, on radio pulpit. They, they asked her, um, you know, what's the difference between law churches and grace churches? And then she said, all churches preach grace when it comes to salvation, how to be saved. Every church, basically every church you go to will say you're saved by grace. But where church is defined as a law church is in how you maintain your salvation. I know, by prayer, by this. How you maintain and advance in the kingdom of God. How do we advance? By grace. How do we have grace multiplied? By acknowledging what is freely given to me. By opening the box further. By reading the manual. How will I understand my phone? I read the manual. When I read the manual, what does the manual tell me? The manual tells me how to operate what I've already got. Not how to get another function by paying more. No, no, that manual has been written so that I can discover what is inside this phone. That I can use it. Everything is in there. How do I use it? I want to tell you, perfection has been planted into you already by Jesus. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you. It's not that we only are alive before God, but every part of godliness has been given as a free gift. And we open the manual. When I open this manual, what does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 2? It says the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything you freely received in Christ. I freely received. You freely received peace. You freely received joy. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to end off this, this, this message by going to uh, 2 Corinthians 8. I want to speak on finances. 
Jy het gedink, jy gaan die dienst dodge gister. <laughs> you weren't there, but I'm here. Okay. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Now, in the light of what I've just preached, listen to this verse. Moreover, brethren, we want to testify of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial and affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberty. For to their power, I bear record, yea, behind their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now listen, listen to this. What is grace? To call forth. So here the churches in Macedonia comes and they say, we hear about the church in Corinth that wants to give money to the poor churches in Jerusalem. When they heard about that, they knew they were poor. But what they took off the shelf, the choir conductor, they called forth their generosity. They declared, they believed in, they acknowledged who they were in Christ. And the Bible says, we want to testify of this multiplication of grace that came upon the churches in Macedonia. How that within their ability and beyond their ability, they begged us to take the financial gift to the poor churches. Hallelujah. And I want to say this, and, and, and I want to say this, and please hear my heart when it comes to finances. If we are bound in the area of finances, we are bound in 95% of our life. So I'm not here to try and get money from you. I want to just teach you what the grace of God when it comes to finances. We cannot, here was people, they were poor in the physical, but they were very rich. If you don't have money, I want to tell you, you don't have to be poor. I don't say you're going to get money. I'm just saying, if you, will, if you don't have money and you will never have money, you don't ever have to be poor. Poverty is a mentality. It's got nothing to do with your bank. It's got nothing to do with what's in your wallet. Poverty is just what you believe about yourself. I've seen it. So, sometimes you can get a guy with millions, you know, but he's so stressed because he's in a competition with another guy and he's got 20 million in the bank and the other guy's got 18 million in the bank and he's only 2 million ahead. Poverty mentality. So I want to say to you, you know, and, and I remember in my life, <clears throat> the first time I got grace when it came to finances, the first thing that I believed was, I don't have to tithe to be blessed. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. The second thing I believed was, I don't have to sow to reap. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But inside my heart, when there was an opportunity to give, I couldn't give. And the reason why I couldn't give was, 
I had this lack mentality. I knew I didn't have to do anything for God to bless me. But when it had to come to giving and blessing and receiving something from God in prosperity, I couldn't. Because I felt in my heart I was still bound. Because I was just living with the joy of that I don't have to tithe to be blessed. I don't have to sow to be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Then I had to get the revelation that God loves me so much that He will provide for me. He loves me so much that it doesn't matter what I do, He will always care for me. And that God sees the things that I have today as a need. And He will meet my need. Amen. And then I had to add to my faith generosity. Because it was so frustrating to see the opportunity to give but not to be able to do it. It frustrated me. Because here's an opportunity. But Marjiri, the buffalo in my sock, why are you going The buffalo in the pocket doesn't want to leave the wallet. I want to pull it out, but it says I'm not going anywhere. And if I think of giving and providing for the things of God, then I've got an excitement in me. But when I go to the cash, I feel a fear. That's bondage. That's bondage. God wants you free. How can God will give you the desire? The most frustrating thing there is, is to have a desire and not to be able to do that desire. Here God comes and He gives you the desire by the Holy Spirit. But in our minds, we haven't added to our faith that we are generous people. We have not added to our faith that we are a free people. We have not added to our mind, believing, calling forth the act, the manifestation of this. Hallelujah. You can be free. And you know what happened in my life, and I want to just testify in short. One of the things that happened when I realized how the freedom that Christ has given for me, it wasn't, I didn't have to try to be generous. I didn't have to try to give. It was given to me. It's given. Hallelujah. When it was given to me, I could go and act whenever it's needed. Whenever I feel to make use of it, I would. What changed in my life is I could start to, I could start to give to the rich. Because I would never give to a rich man. You know, a rich man also sometimes needs a gift. Because he always feels he's the one that's giving. Nobody will ever give something to him. A rich man also needs something. I could never give to a rich man. Because my law mind said, no, 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 no. He's made to provide for me. It all changed. I was not looking at another man's ability anymore. I was looking at my ability by Christ. I could give to the rich. I could give to the poor. When I wanted to give, I could. And I found the freedom of Christ. Him giving birth to generosity in my life. Adding that to your faith. I mean, what do you want? What do you want? I mean, in your heart, in the depths of your heart, you could say, and I wish I was more generous. Why do you want to wish for something you've got? You don't have to wish for that. Well, God just will have to change my heart about this. He's provided everything that pertains to life and godliness. What needs to happen is, you need to have your mind renewed by listening to the truth about yourself. That we can be a free people. 
There's times when I don't give, you know, but I don't feel I want to. Really not. But if I feel I want to, and the amount that comes to my mind, I do it. I just do it. You can say, but you're reckless. I don't care. If the amount is too big, and I don't have that money now, then I'll give bit by bit, but I'll pay it. I'll give it. Because that's what's in my heart. Amen. So I want to just say this to you. The old way was, well, you don't. Ha- people were scared that they will not have. Then that fear was used and said, well, you can have if you give to the church. So people were never set free from their fear. Never. They just gave and it fed their fear. So they were giving, they were working, they were sowing, they were whatever to feed the fear. But I want to tell you, you don't ever have to be afraid. God will always meet your need. As surely as what Jesus will have provision tomorrow, that's how sure you can be that your needs shall be met. By, by what God has done in Christ. It's all been made. Add that peace to you. It's for free. Amen. So once the fear has been removed, I want to tell you, the very nature of God has been given unto you. It says, look at the grace of God. He was rich, became poor, so that others can become rich. We look at that grace. We are enriched by that grace. We look at His life, and we say, His life is our life. We are clothed with Christ. Amen. So now we have the liberty... That when we see an opportunity, that we can say, well, I give this away. I can give. I can be a giver. Amen. And I want to encourage you people according to this verse. Let's read verse, um, verse 9. No, verse 8. And God is able... To make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Listen to this. He doesn't say, listen, you better start to do good works. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. What is grace? God's enablement. That you always having all sufficiency. So what does that mean? The grace of God will provide finances for you. It will give you business. It will give you money. It will make deals go through. It will provide for you. Amen. By grace. So what do we take? We thank God that our minds has been renewed. And we can call forth like the choir conductor. That by His grace our needs are met. By His grace I shall have a job. Amen. Why? That we can have all sufficiency in all things and may, ab- sorry, in all things that it may abound to every good work. So what it says is grace, God's grace, will enable you to get the finances. So how, do, how does grace multiply? By the acknowledgement of God and what is done for us. Okay, that's how grace multiplies. How does the fruit of good works multiply in our life? By acknowledgement of what God has done. So he says by his grace, he will supply finances for you. And by his grace, he enables you to be who you really are. And that is a giver when it comes to your finances. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank God for his grace. I thank God that I can be pampered by God. Remember that message I preached to you last time. We are pampered by God. And as you are pampered by God, desires comes forth in your heart. 
Then you make that desire known to God, resting your mind in who He is, expecting the manifestation of the fruit of that in your life. I want to testify and I end off with this. I wanted to... um, I've been preaching in Western Zambia for many years, since 1997, going basically every year. And that's in the middle of the bush. Really in the middle of nowhere, you know. On the way there, you, you, you have to sleep next to the road under a tree. With a little tent. And when we got there, my wife and I, we stayed under a tree. We pulled the caravan there and stayed under a tree there. Started the first church there. Eventually now there's four or five churches planted there. And then... As I was just being pampered by God and His love, thinking of the value of people, and how He values people, Zambia and that area came to my mind. And I got this idea. You see, in that place of being pampered, you start to think of things. And this desire came to build a mission station there. And to get Grace Churches involved. So that we can have a one-year program from different churches. A church only goes once a year. Going twice a year will make you tired. That place is in the bush. So, going once a year, and with ten churches going together, we've got this, we, we can really impact and make a stronghold for grace in that area. Because there's nobody there. i got this vision. Hallelujah. You know? I'm so, so excited. I said to my wife, you know what I want to do? I want to start a mission base in Zambia. She says, oh, that sounds so good. We should do that. You know? And I left it there. Then I felt in my heart, but now the churches that's going to be involved, are you going to contact some churches to be involved? I contacted a church. They said to me, oh, Bertie, a church in America. Bertie, this is wonderful. Don't you want to have a Skype meeting with me and we will put this on the big screen so that our church can take up a, a, a finances for this project? I said, of course. So we're going to do that now in November. Another guy heard about this. He says, I, I just I couldn't sleep for a week. I sponsor a, and will build a two-bedroom house there for you, equipped with solar panels, the whole electricity, running everything. You see how grace, grace works in him, grace worked in me, it's all by grace. And what a wonderful opportunity is this, and what a free life for that guy that wanted to give that house to be able to give it. And not to always just want it, but to do it. Because grace enables him. Grace enables him, but when we have that fear in our mind, don't be afraid. You can acknowledge what God has said. You don't have to try and get rid of your fear. Acknowledging the truth by the power of the Spirit, you will get rid of your fear. It's not for you to get rid of your fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. And all you do is get onto this path of acknowledging the truth and adding to your faith everything that's been given to you. Don't just eat the burger, man. There's fries, tomato sauce, Fanta. I see the wimpy now. They've got this uh, bottomless Coke and chips. Add that, man. It's been given to us. We've, we've added so easily what the law has been given to us. But we add today and acknowledge what Christ has given. It's not for you to do. It's for you to receive.
Let's pray together. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just with your eyes closed like that, I want to just speak some words that will just contribute to the renewal of your mind. <clears throat> I want you to just see yourself standing before God. And in the depth of your being, just experience that emotion of there's no lack. No lack. Not financially, I'm talking about there's no lack. There's nothing that needs to be added to you before God. Nothing. And here stands a God absolutely perfect. And here you stand in absolute perfection before God. Needing nothing about to start a conversation. Hallelujah. And now you look from this heavenly place to your earthly life. Where you in the earthly things see so many shortcomings. And from this perfection you can discuss that with God. I want you just to think of that place. You know. And this is the, when you go home. I want you to, 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 to envision this perfection and from there you talk. From there, from there you discuss. From there you speak. And you hear what he says. And from that conversation you'll find your belief system being renewed. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Father, I want to pray for every person here. I thank you, Lord, that I can pray over their life. I can pray over their finances. I can declare that your word says that your grace enriches us. Your grace supplies so that we can be abundant in every good work. Lord, we don't want to be a people that just desire to be good to others, but don't have the means to do it. Therefore, we can say that by your grace, you have met our needs and you meet our needs. Therefore, we do have. And thank you, Lord, that your grace gives us an enablement of contentment. And from that contentment, your grace enables us to be fearless when it comes to, to our finances and our future. And the desire in our hearts to be givers and to contribute to the spreading of the gospel of grace is in our hearts. It's flooded our hearts. And thank you that we can act from that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare we are free. We are free. We are free. The law and its consequences has been removed from us. We are a free people. We are a free people to live the dream born in our hearts by the resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that we can see people in the value of the resurrected Jesus. We see people in, in the value of God. Thank you, my God, that the greatest thing we can ever do, the greatest reality that there ever is, is your gospel. What you think about people, what you've done for every man. Thank you, Lord, that our minds can be saturated with the innocence of every person. And that we've got this gospel to preach to every man. Thank you that we do that with boldness. And that you've enabled us to do it. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, just receive that emotion of not being indebted. Just receive that emotion of, I don't have to try to get rid of stinginess. I don't have to get rid of a lack mentality. I take up the new life <laughs> by being persuaded of what is given for free. You are a free person today. 
the fruit of God is given to you. You've added to your faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen.